Hello and welcome to the Aaron Evans Podcast. This podcast is devoted to people who want to love, listen, and live a little better. I'll be sharing my musings as a life coach, a mother, a yogi, an entrepreneur, and I'll be interviewing some of the most inspiring people that I know that are leaving the world a little better than how they found it. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you want to stay in touch, you can follow me on Instagram at Aaron underscore Evans. Buckle up and thank you for tuning in. just warming up my vocal cords because I really wanted to be prepared for this podcast. I'm kidding. That was the vocal elegance of my dear friend and my guest for today's podcast. There is a time in our lives where we meet someone that ignites us in a way that we feel like they are home. And this next guest is someone I met as an adult. I met her in a coaching program and we became fast friends and she is one of the most inspiring, poetic, tender people that I know. And I am so honored to have her on the podcast today. This is Katrina Galka. Welcome, Katrina. Hi, thank you, Erin. That was the most beautiful introduction I think I've ever gotten. It made my heart so happy. <laughs> uh, I was sort of hoping you would cry, and I noticed you didn't. No, just <laughs> I almost did. I was crying inside. Don't worry. <laughs> so, Katrina, tell me who you are. So, I'm a singer. I'm an opera singer specifically. Um, and like you said, we met in our coach training program. So, I'm also a life and a business coach, um, mainly for singers. And every once in a while, another creative soul kind of steps in and they just kind of resonate with me and my message and I work with them too. Beautiful and the whole career I want to start with the the singing path for you. How did you know that pursuing a life as a singer was something you wanted to do? Yeah I always had this knowing actually. It's kind of funny and and we've talked about this before because you know, yes, we met at our coach training program. And then I had the incredible fortune and blessing to be put with you as my peer coach. And we've been talking and like, you've been coaching me for almost two years now. Right. So, you know, a lot of this about me already, but, um, yeah, I just kind of always had this knowing, even when I was very young, I think it it was just like this natural thing that drew me to music, but not just any music. It was always, um, Music um, through storytelling or like storytelling through music was really what was most important to me and through the human voice. So those things were what were just so 
compelling for me right from the beginning. I loved like Barbara Streisand, Julie Andrews, all of the old time musical theater, um, golden age musicals and um, Disney movies, all of that kind of stuff. As long as there was music and a story. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't much of what you sing in a different language? Yes. So now being an opera singer, most of the time I am singing in, you know, Italian, German, or French, sometimes Spanish. Sometimes I've sung in Czech, sometimes Latin, but yeah, I mean, it's mostly foreign languages, but I love singing in English. I really do. So when it comes to preparation, how does Katrina get her voice ready for what it is she's trying to sing, whether it's in Czech or English or Spanish? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it's time to sing like a performance, especially, I definitely have my little routine that I go to. Um, I started also doing yoga with you. How long ago was that now? Like year and a half, almost a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and that's like changed my life. I think that's also changed my singing just to have like that closer relationship with my body to have a routine that I can go back to. So that's part of my routine now is that, you know, I like to do yoga. I like to warm up my body first. Um, and then I'll slowly start to warm up my voice, like things like humming or lip trills. Lip trills are that sound you make with your lips, like the kind of funny sounds that most people probably don't think about making, but, <laughs> um, and then moving into like vowel sounds, um, and then slowly beginning to sing the actual music. And how did you start to transition? Maybe, maybe paint us a picture of your path as a singer and how you moved from a student mindset, which is a lot of your coaching, into a professional that got hired and paid and to travel and sing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like this because I think um, recently it's become clear to me that the work I'm doing with my clients is all about bringing them from this student mindset to a professional mindset. Um, so that's something I know we've kind of even talked about together. And so when I think about that question that you're asking me, I think that I came, I came to that shift very early on. I think it was already when I was um, an undergraduate in college. Basically, when I decided that I was going to study music in college, to me, that was the moment that I decided, oh, I'm going to be a professional. Like, I wasn't thinking I'm going to college just to get a degree, and then we'll see from there. Like, maybe I didn't understand how some people go to college or for what reasons, but I was like, if this is my major and I'm studying voice, then it's because I am going to be a vocal performer. Like I'm going to be a singer. And so that was a big decision for me. And once I made that decision, I think that's when I already started transitioning into this professional mindset um, where everything I did was super intentional and I actually think that's why I began getting work as a singer very early. Um, even while I was in school, you know, I got a, a job singing at a church that paid really well, like way better than, you know, any other job that I was going to get at 18 years old, um, which was great. And, and likewise, like, I think my first singing job was 
I must have been 20 years old one summer, um, my first opera job. I got paid to do something small in Dallas. But it was such a big deal. You know, you're 20 years old and you've never sung an opera role and you get paid like $200. Like, that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. And I know some of the, the fabulous trips that you've been on and roles you've played, but can you share with us some of the places and, and people that you've sung for? Yeah, um, probably the, the coolest things to talk about are when I get to sing overseas. So, oh gosh, so I've sung now in a number of different countries. I've gotten to sing in Oman, which was very cool. That was a very that was a while ago, and I was in a chorus. I got to sing in an opera chorus, and I just went because I really wanted to go to Oman, which was great. But since then, I've sung in Japan, I've sung in Egypt, I've sung in Austria, um, Switzerland was just this year, and so I always love getting to go to these other countries. It's just such a unique experience, and whenever I sing um, in productions like this, I get to spend an extended amount of time there. So that's kind of what's special about it is, you know, when I was in Austria, I was there for three months the first time. Um, Switzerland's like two, two and a half months I was there. Um, Japan was about six weeks, but you know, still, when do you get to spend that much time in a foreign country like that? So I loved that. And I know for my role as a a yoga teacher, when I teach at festivals or to a crowd of people that I'm not familiar with, that's always likely what you're doing. What do you do on those days where you feel a little low or maybe off? What's the go-to? Is it a mantra? Is it, is it a visualization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder like, Days when I feel a little bit lower off, when I'm on the road. When I'm on the road, I I rarely feel down, honestly. Um, If I do, though, I would say I just try to move. I think that that helps me the most. Um, But often, like, when I'm on the road, I'm just so engulfed in that experience and the production. There's just, like, a natural energy that accompanies the production, I would say if anything, I get frustrated. <laughs> I don't really get down. There might be like things at play that I let, you know, rile me up and get me kind of fired up, like the injustice or the, you know, the, the, these circumstances shouldn't be this way. If anything, that's what happens for me. And for me, it's just helpful, I think, to have someone to talk it out with when it comes down to that. Um, moments when I feel low are generally like between gigs or after work. And when I'm, so when I'm at home more so, and then I do find like, yeah, going back to my routines, like I'm moving, walking, doing yoga and actually singing does help. Singing is so therapeutic. Um, but sometimes it's hard. Like when it's your job, when, because I'm a professional singer, it doesn't always feel, um, it doesn't always seem like the go-to, but I find that when I sing again, I do always feel better. And is Cat in Portland the same as Cat on stage in Egypt? Ooh, I like that question. I mean, of course, it's always me. Yeah. Am I the same? I think so. 
Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty, pretty solidly me. Um, there is like um, a tendency when you're on stage to want to like perform or to show a version of you. And that's something I'm actually working on and that we've been working on together, which is how do I um, maintain my own integrity of energy or like my own integrity of identity, even when I'm playing these different roles. So like, yeah, and, and it really is about like the energy, I think. Um, yeah. And speak more to that because we have talked about it. And this is what just gets me so excited about your profession is the way you you go in and you get to know this character and the way they would be having coffee in the morning, the way they would be out for a walk, even though you're not playing that character in those moments. So what are you trying to elicit from the audience when you embody this person that is a character made by another? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's the best part of the job is this opportunity to like elicit something from other people, you know? So, and, and the way that I think that you do that is to give to them and to like invite them in. But it is my goal to like give people, if anything, like goosebumps or to give them like a transcendent experience that, and I've described it this way. Um, it's that moment when you, you experience like something so beautiful and it only exists in that moment. That's what I love about live music, but it's so beautiful. It's so shocking or striking that you just want to like hold on to it and you can't. And, and so it's like this dichotomy of like the pain of realizing it, it has to go but also like the extreme beauty of the moment itself. Um, yeah. And I remember like 18 year old me recognizing that. And that was the thing that actually had me decide to become a singer, you know, a piece of the puzzle for sure. And what keeps you going? Because my, my impression is it's not a, a super easy path to follow. Yes, the the realities of the career definitely have a lot of challenges and pitfalls. Um, what keeps me going is the knowing that I would be disappointed if I did anything else, or I would be sad, I think. Um, and, you know, yeah, you being my coach for all this time, we've had a lot of conversations where I've wondered, right, like, is this what I want to do or not? And somehow you, you have an intuition too. I remember, you know, you're an incredible coach. So you never told me anything that I should do or need to do, but you have like a way of kind of reminding me or mentioning like, or at, I mean, of course, what you do is you ask brilliant questions that help me remember why I'm passionate about singing and why I love it. And whenever I come back to it and I say like, oh, yes, I need to be doing this. Then you say, yes, it's your dharma. Like, this is it. But you always wait until I say it first, <laughs> which I love. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are those hard moments. And 
it does sometimes take a team. Like it takes having people in your corner to just be there to support you when it's hard. Yeah. Um, and tell me yeah. about your team. Who's on your team? Well, you are on my team for sure. And I love it. <laughs> like I said, it's, you're such a blessing in my life. Um, also, you know, yeah, who's on my team? You know, my husband now. Um, my parents, for sure, you know, they, they come to a lot of my performances. So it's nice. I remember um, many times when I would be performing at the start of my career, when I would have a lot of self-doubt, but I would always kind of tell myself, my parents are here and I know that they'll love it, even if nobody else does. <laughs> that was always like a big comfort. Um, and then I have a great um, musical coach who I work with, who's just a really great artist. Um, and I also have a really fantastic um, Italian coach who I, I speak in Italian with every week. Um, yeah, and that's pretty, that's it right now. I, and I even thought of you, you were even on my team as a yoga teacher when we were doing the yoga, you know, every week together. So it's like just these, yeah, all of these people that come together to just support in these little ways. I love that. I just posted on my Instagram that we are a collection of every person who we've loved and has loved us. And and that's our team. That's our A team. The people that when we're like, I can't do it anymore. And they're like, no, 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 you were meant for this. Or somebody teaching us a different language, whatever the skill set required. Was there a moment where you performed and you stood on stage and you were like, this is it? Mm. Well, early on, I remember having that feeling. It was the first opera I ever did in undergrad. And it was a Mozart opera. I added like these crazy high notes, probably not in the best of taste, but it was so fun. And I remember running off the stage after my big aria and hearing like everyone in the auditorium, like just go crazy, like screaming and applauding. I actually kind of feel emotional thinking about it now. And that I was like such a major moment. Like I, I remember feeling emotional in the moment and just thinking like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like to elicit, like we said, to elicit like that kind of energy and that kind of response from people was so exciting. Um, And I've had other moments too, you know, just being in um, Vienna, in Austria, you know, you look at the opera house and it's like, holy crap, like so many important historical figures have been here. So many incredible singers have been here. And like, I get to walk these halls and sing on this stage. That's amazing. Having just moments like that, I think, where you realize, of course, like I'm just another speck of dust, right? Dancing around on the planet. But like, what a cool experience to be dancing in these places at this time my little dance (laughs) your little dance and the coolest thing is like the people that you'll inspire along the way you know a person comes in with a broken heart and hears you sing and watches you and for a moment they forget their heart is broken or they're grieving like it is incredible like you said that fleeting moment of beauty that you want to hold on to but the fact that it's fleeting makes it so beautiful yeah 
same vein, hardest moment? Mm, yeah, the hardest moments um, were definitely when I first started dating my now husband because there was so much like emotion, of course, right? Like we really cared for each other and felt like something was different, something was really special. But my career, you know, has me on the road a lot. I'm gone all the time. And it just seems like it wasn't going to work out. And there was a lot of heartbreak and then there was a lot of confusion. It just kind of coincided at a point in my life when I was leaving um, apprenticeship programs. So I've been working as an apprentice for a lot of companies, which meant I got to be there year round. And then I was moving into like really being a professional professional where I had a manager and I was traveling from gig to gig. And of course I met my husband right then. And it was such a big moment of like, is this the direction I'm going to go in? Am I really going to do this professional track and sing and travel? Is this my life? And it was a really hard moment to, to make that decision when there were also all these emotions charged around it. And now it's really cool. You know, three years later, I'm, I still get to sing. I'm still singing and now we're married and yeah. It's an amazing testament, I think, to how many possibilities there are, like how many more possibilities than we can even be aware of in the moment. That's outstanding. I love that. And and speak to that, you know, as a coach and your clients come in and what are their stumbling blocks? Let's say in the in the realm of singing, what what do they stumble on? Yeah, that's a great segue because a lot of the time a lot of the time, the biggest stumbling block is that they only see like this small shadow of possibility, right? Um, so a lot of what we do is like really magnifying the possibility by also seeing um, that that one path that they thought was their way there actually may not be the path. And that's okay, because there's also like thousands of other ways there that they just haven't thought about yet. Um so that's definitely a piece of it. Um, and another piece, I think, like one of the biggest stumbling blocks, I think I've, I've said this before, um, one of the biggest stumbling blocks is when people waffle. Like when it's, they say that they want it, but actually like subconsciously, there are questions, there are doubts, there are things that are holding them back. And it's okay to have doubts, right? Like we can still do things even if we have moments of doubt and I don't think we have to be in full belief all the time to be successful. Um, but it's just when we allow the doubts to keep us from being, from moving forward, from being in action, that's when it becomes a problem. So that's what I really love helping people with, you know, like, can we look at those, those doubts that are under the surface so that you can just keep reorienting yourself every day, despite the doubts, like, remembering this is the path that I want. This is why, and this is what I need to do to get there. And I can do that. I can do that next step. Mm. I love that. Isn't that in uh, Frozen 2? She says the next right step and the next right step. It's true. I have, oh, you didn't I've know. I've never seen it. I've oh. never seen it. But I've heard that before. I heard somebody else talking about it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so true. It's like, just like, direct and orient your ship in the direction that you want to go. And sometimes you're not going to feel like it, but just like one action step forward. 
And sometimes with that waffling, I, I wonder if people use it as like a get out of jail mm-hmm. or, or an excuse to not do the hard thing. And you and I have talked about this, that you had a coach, uh, maybe it was a, a person that you were singing with, and they said to you, Kat, most people settle at 90%. And it's that extra 10% that like not many people are willing to push. And I'm curious, what is that 10% for you? Mm, yeah, that's so good. Um, yes, this singing coach told me that. He said, you know, most people get to that 90%. Um, when he told me that, I think what he meant was like the tiny microscopic details, like taking the time to break down the music and to think about it harmonically, and then to take the next step and to bring out certain harmonic elements more than others. Um, and then to do it in a way that's like exciting by creating like, here's some, here's a moment of tension. Here's a moment of release. Like there's so many things you can play with in the music. It's these tiny, tiny, tiny details, I think is what, what he was talking about. Um, so, you know, that's been really what we've been working on together. Um, right. You and I, which has been, how do we, how do I go from like a professional mindset to like a star mindset and it is about like these crazy details and like even like energetically speaking, you know, what are you thinking about? What are you feeling? And, you know, we're still, it's still a work in progress. It's exciting though. Yeah. And the one thing I love about you is you do this for the love of it. You also do it, I think, because of the culture and the history behind it. I think you're fascinated by uh, the the use of your voice and and. When, you, when I've ever seen you sing, I get chills at the back of my spine, you know, and you, you, could, you cannot pay enough money for someone to give you chills. And I think it's a, a genuine attempt to become a master, not for money or fame, but goosebumps and hairs on the backs of the neck standing up. Mm-hmm. Who was your biggest inspiration? Mm. You know, I can list some famous people quickly. You know, I love Julie Andrews. Again, love Barbara Streisand. Love um, top athletes like Simone Biles and Michael Jordan. Like, I just find them fascinating how how they're able to perform under pressure um, with so much, like, finesse and passion and, and, again, like, even nuance. I mean, I don't even understand all the nuances of those sports, but... Um, the, the Julie Andrews and Barbara Streisand, again, like super nuanced. Um, but honestly, those people are like in the back of my mind and really who I'm inspired by are like people every day. So like you inspire me every day when I see your yoga videos. Um, <laughs> my clients inspire me every time that we talk and they, they literally inspire the content I create and the work the, the direction that my work goes in. Um, the co- every coach that I work with inspires me with the feedback they give and the questions they ask. So that that is really, I can't just say one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's, I'm curious, we've talked about this a little bit, but whether or not harsh criticism, finger pointing and picking apart, whether that's an effective way to help someone access that 10%, what is your thoughts on that? I don't think so. And I wish I could turn to a study and like point at it. I know I've read about some studies that have been done that just show like positive reinforcement um, is a much more useful tool for growth in general. And so I have to believe that that applies at all levels to all people. Um, I don't have proof for that though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll just, have to do some tests. Just person, <laughs> just personal proof, right? You have some experiences yeah. of being younger and people that thought maybe you didn't have what it takes. Myself in sport, I remember a coach once saying to me, are you going to try out for the national team? It was the soccer team. And I said, I don't know yet. And he said, you should. Maybe everybody will break their leg and you'll make the team. Ooh. But honestly, it was wild. It sort of motivated me. Like I, I was like, oh, my God, he thinks I'm a joke. But it sort of motivated me to, to train harder. And I, I got this mentality of like, oh, I'll show him. But mm-hmm. I think sport is different than art in that you are emoting. I think in sport, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of a different feel. It's more kinesthetic. I don't know. It might be. The, the one thing I would say is that when you're performing and with the emoting, there is a certain level of like vulnerability. Like you have to be able to be vulnerable. And it's really hard if you don't have a perceived sense of safety. Like even though getting up and performing is scary, you know, and, and things could go wrong, you have to have a certain amount of knowledge in the back of your mind that like, this is still safe for me. Like my personal identity, my personal sense of worth is not going to diminish because of how I do on the stage. And that does take a long time to, for some people to have that, to really know that. Um, and maybe for some people, they, they never have that. And that's also, you know, that's okay too. But I find that that's really an important piece for me, at least for me to go up there and to really give the type of performance that I'm working on giving now that is that next level that really invites people in and excites them and impassions them and moves them. I can't do that if I'm worried about myself and what I have to lose or how I look or what they're thinking about me. I have to have this sense of safety or else I can't give that to them. I can't go there. And I bet that's the same for anyone in any profession. It's this confidence. And in yoga, we call it holding space. Like my Mm. students need to know that this is a very, very safe place for them to show me all sides of them. But if Mm -hmm. I went in there and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not that good at handstand. And oh my gosh, they, I'm not as well seasoned as their other teacher. There's no way I could hold space. There's no way I could show up and, and truly embody what, what it is I'm trying to embody. Mm-hmm. One time we spoke about risk and I'm curious because in that, in that, within that idea of, of feeling safe enough to show all of you, is there an element of risk? It's a good question. Um, well, there's always something at risk if you choose to see it that way. 
right? Like risk is so subjective. What's risky for one person isn't risky for another person. So if I really value and pride my own personal, um, I don't know, like my front facing persona, then there is a lot at risk potentially, or like my own reputation. Like if I really hold myself to a certain level and I don't meet that level, then yes, now there's a risk. I'm a little bit stumped on this one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious about it too. I think about it often because I remember one time you said to me, you want to take a risk, but you don't want the audience to know that you're taking a risk. And what Mm -hmm. I think you meant by that was that even right now with what you're doing with the music, you had mentioned to me, I'm going to coach Nurse Nellie and just get a feel for who she is and what her her problems are and what she's excited about. And maybe that's what you mean is like you're 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 risking by going all in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I that is definitely what I mean, which is that like there is potentially a risk. Like if I I could something could go wrong, right? Um but like I said, and you, thank you for reminding me, like the audience can't know that you are worried about yourself. That's, I think, the important thing. They have to be bought into the risk that the character is living, but not the risk of you, the actor, or you, the singer. Yeah. It's a little complicated, right, to separate the two. And I love the way you speak about it because it is so fascinating how every detail you consider when you get on that stage to sing. And Mm -hmm. I think about any time I've ever stood on stage, I definitely am not thinking beyond the scope of this body, but you're, 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 you're creating a, a vibration in the whole space. And that's through years of experience and mastery. I, yeah, well, and I was going to say, like, that is it. Like, I wouldn't be even thinking about that kind of, like, my personal risk versus the character's risk if I hadn't um, begun to move past, like, my idea of my own risk, right? Because that I started noticing when I was looking back at performances, like, I could see in my eyes when I, the singer, felt at risk. And I was taken out of the moment. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want that. That's not what I'm trying to give the audience, right? So it, it took time and, and work to even get to that point. And I could only begin to see when I was feeling at risk, when I started moving, having moments where I wasn't in risk. And do you see what I mean? Like, then I could see it pop into my eyes. Whereas if before I was always in that place, that was the neutral. And it wasn't obvious what the, um, where the growth was or what needed to change, yeah, that's beautiful and very deep. Yeah, but but that's exactly <laughs> this is where my mind goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's wild that the eyes reveal it. You know, the eye—it's all in the eyes. They reveal everything. Yeah. Do you have a big audacious goal? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Erin and I are laughing about this because one day in a coaching session, I tried to say audacious, and I said like what audacious because the word audacious needs to be even more audacious (laughs) the only way to get there is to change how you say it no I don't know um 
gosh, I have so many audacious goals. <laughs> I do. Um, you know, it, right now we're working on this competition I have coming up and I don't know what will happen, but the goal that I've set is that I'm working to, to come out first place. Like that is an audacious goal, right? Um, it's audacious to say it out loud, but like, yeah, why not? That's what makes it even more audacious is to actually own it. So that's one thing. Um, when I really dream big and like, I would love to be on Broadway, like that would be such a dream come true. Um, I would love to sing. Well, okay. If I mean really audacious, like, yeah, I want to win a Tony for something on Broadway. That would be incredible. That's like the top of the top, I think. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with the audience? Anything you feel perhaps a new budding artist might need to hear? Mm. Yeah, I, I really believe this, that if that desire is in you, that it is for you. And we've been conditioned so heavily by a society that like being a musician, being an artist isn't safe you know, that starving artist mindset, that, that idea is really, really prevalent. Um, but the truth is that every day, and th this is the world I live in, but every day I see so many artists who are thriving, who are so happy. They would not, they wouldn't do anything else for any amount of money in the world. And they have, they have exactly what they need, if not more. So I know that it's possible. And I want other people to know that it's possible, right? And the biggest thing is to just follow your passion and to allow for the possibility to recognize that like there are a million paths to make money and to be fulfilled, especially making your art. I really know. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I mean, you're living proof of that. Yeah, and I see so, like I said, I see it so many examples of it all around. Mm -hmm. Don't they say that when you believe it, you'll see it? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and where can people find you? I love Instagram. That's where I hang out. So just at Katrina.Golka is the best place. Um, and I also have my website, thesingerslifecoach.com. Awesome. I'll throw that in the uh, show notes. But Kat, thank you so much for your time. You are such an inspiration to me and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Erin. You are an inspiration to me too. How fortunate are we to have heard that conversation? She is quite a woman. I love her Instagram account, so I would truly advise that you check her out, whether you are a singer, even in the shower, or just someone that is interested in art and self-development. Thank you so much for your attention. And until next time, I love you. Paddle forward and do something that scares you today.